Hey, what's up? It's Bobby Portis. I'm Saquon Barkley. I'm Brianna Stewart. This is Showtime Sean Porter. I'm Sugar Ray Lemon. I'm Corey Brewer. I'm Sinisa Estrada, and we run this station. We run this station. We run this station. I basically challenged anybody on the team to dunk on Dwayne, and nobody could do it. Nice pass to Deadman who dunks it. Trey Young finds Deadman. And he's smothered by Deadman. Another block for Dwayne. Deadman. Deadman with a big shot and hits it. Before he was a rim running, shot blocking, inside out threat in the NBA, Dwayne Deadman was a six foot eight high school senior with a life altering choice to make respect the wishes of his religious single mother or pursue a passion that could make him successful beyond measure. The result of that decision changed the fabric of his family forever. Dwayne sat down with uninterrupted podcast producer John Fontanelli to chronicle his grueling, winding journey from unpolished gem to $40 million man. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is Unguarded. Thanks for joining us today, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. I like your office. It's a, it's a nice setup. And then uh, we saw the, the other one that you guys are about to move over to, too. So oh, yeah. that's pretty dope over it's there. big things going on yeah, around here. Definitely. So you grew up in Southern California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up in uh, Lancaster, California, man. So it's a little small area, not too much going on, but that's... That's where, I'm, that's where I'm from. How was that growing up in Lancaster? Uh, I mean, it was, it was cool. I mean, it came with its own challenges, but, you know, I mean, it's it's a different area. It's a different vibe. So, I mean, it's... It's, it's what made me, so it's mm-hmm. cool. A lot has been written about how you didn't start playing basketball until later than most people. For an audience that might be listening that isn't familiar with your backstory, when did you start playing basketball? Uh, I started playing basketball my senior year of high school, uh, so basically when I turned 18. That's when mm-hmm. I started playing organized basketball for, uh, for my high school team. Did you always want to play basketball, and that's just when you work up the courage, or did something change that made you want to play? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've always wanted to play basketball when I was younger, I always tried to play sports, basketball, football, just anything. And it just uh just didn't work out. My mom, she's uh she's very religious. So uh she she felt like um sports and af- athletics took up uh more of the time that could be spent uh you know going to church or doing different things for for the church. So, you know, I mean that definitely uh definitely was was kind of hard, you know what I'm saying? Trying to trying to play a sport but your mom wouldn't let you. So, I mean, but you know, she did it for for what she felt was the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And so why basketball as opposed to any other sport? Because I'm seven foot, bro. I mean, it's, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? It's like they say, you can't teach height. So, I mean, I figured I'll just run with this one. Right. Uh, and you were six, eight at the time when you started playing? Uh, Yeah, I was yeah six, eight, my senior year of high school. So mm-hmm. six, eight, tallest dude on campus walking around, just wasn't playing. That's crazy. Uh, SI wrote an interesting profile about you in 2011, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was, uh, when I was at USC, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fascinating stuff in that piece. Yeah. I'm curious. It's jumping ahead a little bit, but what was it like to be profiled? You were, what, 22, 23 at the time when that article came out? 20, I want to say 22, 21, 22, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. What was it like to have your life so closely detailed at I, that, that young was, age? That was crazy. That was real crazy. I mean, that was like the first, like, you know what I'm saying, like big time article that came out about me, you know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of these young guys, you know what I'm saying? You see them on Slam, you see them all different, like different uh, articles at a young age. So me, you know what I'm saying, being able to get that article, you know what I'm saying, at, at 21, 22, whatever it was, was that was big time for me. Like it was like, I've never, like I never would have thought I would have been in like a Sports Illustrated. So that was, that was pretty dope. And that was right before you started your first started season Started my first USC, season right? at USC, yeah. So. And so that was, you were at kind of like a crossroads around that time? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So just to catch the audience up, you play your senior year of high school, you play basketball, right? I mean, we'll just say I was on the team. You were on the team? I was on the team. And so what was that like? Walk walk the audience through what that was like of that decision to start playing and how you became involved with your high school team. Uh, the decision to start playing was probably, you know, at that time was one of the tougher decisions I had to make just because it was, I had to go against what my mom wanted. You know what I'm saying? And being 18, I kind of just, I felt like I was my own man. So I was like, I have to make my own decisions and this is what I want to do. So me and my mom had to have a discussion about it. And she was like, all right, I mean, you're 18. This is what you want to do. So like, go ahead. But I, I, I won't support this decision. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. even in high school, I mean, I was on the team, wasn't playing much, but my mom never came to a high school game. So, I mean, it was it was tough. But, you know, I mean, it was something I kind of kind of learned to deal with. And that kind of trickled over into JUCO as well. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, like I said, it was it was tough to deal with. But, you know, I mean, it was 
I mean, and it definitely took a toll on me and my mom's relationship. So it was, we had we had a lot of work to do to, you know what I'm saying, like kind of figure things out. And that's what we did. And mm-hmm. at the end of back, you know what I'm saying, back good. But, you know, right. it took some time. It's good that you guys have kind of like found some common ground with yeah. that, a lot of that stuff now. I'm curious, looking back, in what ways did it take a toll on your relationship? Uh, we weren't talking. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm a baby boy. You know what I'm saying? So... Mom's me and my and I'm her only son, so we we was cool. Me and my mom was was real tight, but you know, I mean that it was uh, it was it was tough. I mean, especially after I went to to JUCO, like I had to find my own spot because she wasn't allowed, gonna allow me to play sports and live in her house. So I had to I had to find my own spot. I found a spot close to to ABC, the JUCO I went to, and uh, my coach, uh, one of my coaches, helped me find a spot. So it was, I mean, it was tough. I mean, we didn't really talk. We weren't really communicating well. Like when we did talk, it was always an an argument or something crazy. So it was just, we just, I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, it was, it may have been good. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause now I feel like our relationship is really strong. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I mean that, and we have more of a, a better understanding of each other. Like not mother, son, more like two adults understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. This is this is what I do, and this is what you do. But we can still reside in the same lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Same each other's lives. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I feel like it. It kind of just it worked out. Like once we had our little sit down and talked about everything, we figured it all out, and then we just we've kind of just grown from there. So it's almost like you understand or understood each other's point points of view, but you just didn't agree. Didn't exactly. Interesting. Exactly. And I I remember reading about that kind of that crossroad moment for you, and it's I feel like really well detailed for anyone who's interested should definitely check out the article that SI wrote about you in 2011. The one thing that I found missing from there uh, was your sister's opinions. You have two older sisters, yeah, right? Yeah. What What was their point of view around the time when you were trying to decide between faith and basketball and going against your mother's wishes? Uh, I mean, my sisters kind of did it first, you know what I'm saying, as far as deciding what they wanted to do, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't like a, a grand scheme, like of athlete, at being doing athletics over, you know what I'm saying, religion. It was just they wanted to live their lives, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how, how they went about it. I mean, it, my mom didn't really agree with it, but then the day they're they're adults and they have to do what they want to do with their lives so you can't you know what i'm saying you can't really control what they want to do so they kind of they kind of did it first and then i was like well this this isn't really for me either so i mean i'm gonna just this is what i want to do this is what i love and this is, this is how it's gonna go so your sisters kind of sided with you or a little more supportive of your decisions yeah, yeah yeah definitely more supportive i mean my sister used to uh so when i was living with my mom my sister used to take me so i used to play in adult leagues so my sister used to come pick me up from the house, take me to my adult league games, take me back home. Like my mom never knew about it. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't something I was like, like hiding, but it wasn't something that we talked about. But my sister always like, I, I didn't have a way around. So she used to come pick me up, take me up the street to the little games, bring me back home. Like, so my sister, yeah, my sister's always got my back. That's great. Yeah. That part of it is great. Yeah. Um, so again, going back to like those early days of starting out, you'd never held a basketball. Did you ever play basketball? No, 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 no. I wasn't, it wasn't a foreign object, <laughs> but, uh, no, nah, I used to play all the time, like at the park with my friends. Like, so we gotcha. lived in a, uh, apartment complex, Sunset Ridges in Lancaster. And we, uh, there was right, it was a bridge and right over the bridge was Lancaster city park. So we used to walk over the bridge, Lancaster city park, go hoop mm-hmm. and just play me and me and the homies from the apartment complex, go over there, hoop a little bit. And then at school, I would hoop. Like I would, uh, I was in, excuse me, in high school, I used to ditch class and go to the gym. And uh, one of the one of the PE coaches used to let us ditch to his class and just hoop with his his uh his class. Like when they would have uh, basketball hours or whatever it was called, mm-hmm. we used to just go in there and just play with his class. And you're supposed to be in school, like, but he was cool. So, so not playing basketball until you're 18, that's not totally accurate. You yeah, no, no, no. I didn't play, that's what I'm saying, organized. Yeah, I didn't gotcha. play organized basketball until gotcha. I was 18. And yeah. so you... For just, like a, a real team. Like. Right. And so when you got with a coach, you started to learn like the fundamentals of the game, but you had shot before and you kind of understood like the rules of the game and all that type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but I was definitely raw. You know what I'm saying? Like my shot wasn't, wasn't nothing nice. You know what I'm saying? I used to... Uh, because Kevin Garnett was my favorite player. So, you know, Kevin kind of got like the little slingshot comes from over the top of his head. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of how I used to shoot. Mm-hmm. And it was just – and from there it was just a work in progress. But, I mean, I remember my first workout with uh, 
with Dieter, Dieter Horton at a AVC. He put me through a little workout before he told me uh, if I was going to be able to play on his team or not. Uh, he had me do mic and drills. And at that time, I was like, what the hell is a mic and drill? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we he showed me what a mic and drill was. And that was like the first, I was like, man, I've never done a mic and drill before. I don't even know what this is. But mm-hmm. that was, I mean, that's something that like kids do. You know what I'm saying? Like mic and just like the simplest drill. Like it's right. like you hit, shoot it off the glass and go get it. It's crazy, but I, I had never done it before. Was there a moment in your basketball journey, maybe even early on, where you felt like things started to click for you? Like were there little epiphanies along the way where you're like, oh, wait a minute. I feel like I'm caught up to the guys my age at this or that. Uh, I mean, I never feel like I'm caught up, really. Hmm. I just always feel like I just there's more I could do, there's better I could do. But I mean, definitely just when I first got like a scholarship offer, I was like, oh man, like I, I never expected. Like, I mean, I used to joke around when I was in uh, high school, like with some of the kids and just be like, man, I'm just, I'm seven foot. I'm gonna just walk on to a school and just see what happens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But to be able to get scholarship offers, have teams actually interested in you and stuff like that is, I was definitely like one of the a surreal feeling to me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, that's amazing. And so you played one, you played your one year of high school ball. You gray shirted at AVC, which you had mentioned. Uh, by freshman year, you were seven feet tall. You were playing pretty well. It seems like you blocked a lot of shots when you were at Juco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, was that like the, the, yeah, your that calling was, card yeah, when definitely. you were there? Blocking shots, catching lobs, like, and just running, being <laughs> very aggressive. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was, uh, I fouled fell, fell out a lot of games. <laughs> definitely. I mean, with all those blocked shots, I fouled out a lot of games. So, I mean, it was just, it was just fun. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It was just... I was really just having fun. It was just fun to be out there, just fun to play, hustle, you know what I'm saying, dunk, and just to be able to play the game. Like, I just, I really, I really enjoyed it. Like, Juco, I enjoyed it. I had fun. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, Juco's definitely, like, it's a different mind state, you know what I'm saying, you have to be in. But I was just having fun. I was just a tall kid just hooping, you know what I'm saying? So right. it was it was a good time. I mean, the first, first play we ran every game was a lob play off the tip ball. So if I won the tip, I'm like, I'm getting a lob. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, it was, it was cool. It was fun. That's every coach's dream. That's every guard's dream is a big man who wants to run the floor and attack the basket, oh, yeah, definitely, right? definitely, definitely. So I'm sure you made a lot of friends that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so you transfer to UFC. UFC, you have to sit out a year. Sit out my right? first year, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so you're in there, you're playing, you're a D1 basketball player, probably doing things you never really dreamed of or had only dreamed of mm-hmm. but it's also being kind of um, you know it's also the, the counterbalance is you're having a really rough season maybe one of the roughest seasons in the, the history of the program so did you feel that inherent contrast of your excitement to be a division one player but also that disappointment so, yeah no it was definitely definitely tough I mean nobody wants to lose you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying so going through that was it was it was pretty tough and then coming to the games and it's like it's already we're not a basketball school so mm-hmm. we're like it's damn near empty in there you know what I'm saying but it was it was definitely a learning experience you know what I'm saying that first season but you know next season we kind of figured it out a little bit more but mm-hmm. it was it was pretty rough so yeah you, you mentioned that your junior year you guys were a lot better yeah was your coach fired during that season? Did I yeah, read that? he got fired towards the towards the end of the season. It what was, is that like to be on a team, especially a college team, where the coach gets fired midseason? Uh, I mean, it's it's a little it's a little different. You know, what I'm saying it's kind of crazy. It's like the dude that uh that brought you in and you had been you know what I'm saying playing for and you know just basically working for. You know what I'm saying? Trying to trying to win is just let go. But I mean, I felt like it was a uh, for most of the most of the players on the team it was uh, it was probably better for them. You know what I'm saying? Because he was he was a tough coach, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. it was some of the stuff he was saying, a lot of kids couldn't take, you know what I'm saying. So for for most of the for most of them, it was it was a it was a good decision. So it, I guess it worked out for them. And that was maybe midway through your junior year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, was, was like kind of yeah, it was kind of close towards the the end of the the season. I remember we had a we just we had just smacked Utah, we had just beat Utah, mm-hmm. flew back in, we get off the plane. Um, coach comes walking through. He's a little, you know, what I'm saying, a little drunk, but whatever. So, <laughs> so they end up leaving him and his wife, and the next day he was out of there. I was like, oh man, all right, it's for sure. And then uh, Cantu, there it is, Cantu, yeah, Bob Cantu, yeah. So he took over, and then everybody started, you know, everybody's playing a little more free then. So mm-hmm. 
It was good. What was the competition level like in the Pac-12 back then? Who was the, who were the best players you remember Pac-12. going up against? There's probably a lot of guards, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, always it was got heavy guards. Guard. Yeah, I was just gonna say it. Shabazz. Shabazz. Shabazz yeah. was there. And slow mo. Uh, slow mo, yeah, slow. Kyle Anderson. Yeah, that's my guy, man. Slow mo, boy, with the slow <laughs> rocky steady. Man, that's my guy. Yeah, you guys he was played there. together at San Antonio. Yeah, we did. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that was fun. That was real fun to be able to, you know, what I'm saying we started. Because he, one of his good friends, uh, Gio Fontan, played for USC. Mm. So Slow was always over at USC with us. So we was always chilling. So we kind of built like a friendship off of that. So Not a lot of great big men in the conference around that time. No, 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 no. I mean. Nobody I mean, that could guard you? No, man. I remember <laughs> uh, I was having a, what game was we, who was we playing? Washington. And they had the big, uh, the big kid, uh. Inja, I think his name was. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh man, I was having a field day that game. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good one. So the whole time you're at USC through your sophomore and junior seasons, are you always thinking NBA draft, or maybe when did that start to come into view? Bro, honestly, like I ain't like I never really like was thinking like NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody would say it around me, like, "Oh man, you got NBA potential. You could do this in the NBA." Did it? I'm like, "Oh, all right, for sure." Like that's that's what's up. You know what I'm saying? That's cool, but like. I didn't re- like, I mean, it's something that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but it like, I really didn't see it. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I wanted to be there. Like I used to talk to, uh, like I said, I uh, mean, my man Gio used to talk me and we used to uh, talk about, man, I, I wish I could just be in the NBA and just be on somebody's bench. Like I'd be a great bench warmer. You know what I'm saying? Just chill on the bench. Right. So, I mean, we used to joke about that all the time, but like when it actually like that, for it to actually like come to fruition like it was I was pretty pretty surreal pretty dope so were you did you have like your basketball blinders on were you thinking like career next steps uh it was I mean I definitely wanted to keep playing basketball but mm-hmm. I just didn't know at what level I would be competing at you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying right but I mean I always would see like you know how they have the mock drafts mm-hmm. so like when I first got to USC I would like look at the mock draft and I was on the draft board boom boom like I'm like man that's crazy like I haven't played a game yet and I'm already up there that's cool so then, like, after I left, like, I was still kind of on the mock draft a little bit. Not definitely falling down a lot, but but so, I mean, it was just that, seeing that, everything, like, I would I would check it, you know what I'm saying? Any college student, does, I mean, college right. athlete does, so I would check it, yeah. see where it is, but it was just, like, that, seeing my name on there with, like, everybody else, I was like, yo, that's, like, I guess I, you know what I'm saying, I could do this, you know what I'm saying? So that was... That's pretty dope. That's always my favorite thing as a as a fan and somebody who kind of works in the sports media is when people try to pretend, athletes try to pretend like they don't pay attention to that stuff. Oh, man, come on, bro. You know you look, bro. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to sugarcoat it, man. You definitely check it, man. So which websites are you checking at the time? Oh, uh, was it NBA Mock Draft? I think that's... NBA I mean, Mock Draft? I think so. Something like that. Yeah. I don't... I really don't Not to give yet. any like free publicity. Yeah, nah, nah. Not at all. <clears throat> Y'all owe me money. <laughs> nah, so, but. again... 2013, you're finishing up your junior season, you declare for the NBA draft. Walk me through that process. What are those conversations like when you're making that decision? Uh that was that was actually a pretty uh pretty tough decision. I mean, it was uh I mean it wasn't that tough. It was just more uh more of the conversations that were being had during that period were pretty tough. You know what I'm saying? Like so they definitely wanted me to stay stay at USC. Uh one of my uh coaches the strength coach that was at USC when I was there he ended up getting a job at another school and was like yo like if you finish these classes and graduate you could be a a grad transfer at this school and I'm like all right so I got options either I could come out stay here or you know what I'm saying go somewhere else so I was just trying to figure that whole thing out what I wanted to do so I ended up talking to somebody at uh, USC and it was like you know what I'm saying like we want you to stay but we don't need you. And then basically you won't you won't make more than seventy thousand dollars without my help. And I was like, and at that time, like my mom was, you know what I'm saying, on the verge of getting laid off of work, you know what I'm saying? So that's when I was like, Yeah, college is kinda out the window and then you got somebody saying that to me and I'm like, yo, this is that's really crazy. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that's wild, but all right. I was like, if that's how you feel, that's cool. So I was like, I won't I won't be playing here. So I wow. ended up, I was like, man, it's, it's over. I was like, I got, I got a family to take care of and mm-hmm. mouths to feed, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, if SC ain't paying the bills, so I gotta, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. And I found a, found a pretty good, uh, pretty good agent, I say, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, and ever since then we've been chipping away at this NBA thing. So the 2013 draft comes around. Where are you during the actual NBA draft? Out here in LA. I was staying at the, the Orsini. Hmm. Yeah, so I was staying over there doing my workouts. You know, they got the the court over there, so I was working out there. I was uh 
doing my uh, basketball training with a at a facility was it Travel Gaines facility. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was for my my, my rookie rookie training. Everybody so, works at Travel Gaines. I feel like that's yeah, like the everybody guy everybody, that's everybody the starts there, with, right? You start there. Yeah. <laughs> you start there. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh it was cool. And so in the days leading up to the draft, what's your expectation? Man, I thought I thought my name was gonna get called at least, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just grinding, working out, did all my pre draft workouts, killed like killed a bunch of them. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I'm like, man, I I was like, I know, I know I'm gonna hear my name called. You know what I'm saying? I put in the work, put in the time mm-hmm. and I'm I'm like, I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? So draft day comes. We do it at a Travel Games facility, so I have uh, all my family and my friends and, you know, agents and everybody that was all there. We all watching on TV, whatever, whatever. Lottery goes by, first round goes by, nothing. I'm like, all right, for sure. That's cool. That going to at least call me in the second round. I was like, second round, you know what I'm saying? It's not, a, not everything's guaranteed, but they're going to give me a job. Second round go by, nothing. I'm like, man, this is crazy. So like, you guys watched all 60 picks? Watched the whole thing, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, that was probably one of the most embarrassing moments. I would say, like, you know what I'm saying, sit there with f- friend, your friends and your family, mm-hmm. expecting, you know what I'm saying, be drafted and nothing happens. You know what I'm saying? But, like, right after the draft, I had uh, I received a phone call from uh, from the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. So I got a phone call from the Mavericks. That night? Like, that same night? Right after, like, right after, like, as soon they as were about ended? to do the 60th pick and they had called, like, yo, we want you to be our 61st, 61st pick. You know what I'm saying? We want you to basically we want you to come to summer league, play with us. You know what I'm saying? And practice all that and work out. So I was like, all right, cool. I was like, yeah, that's cool. I was like, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you I, didn't have a lot of time to like really wallow in that disappointment because you were like, all right, oh, no, I just def- got a chance. No, nah, I definitely was wallowing, bro. <laughs> 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 no, nah, it was it was definitely it was it was tough, bro. So I mean, yeah. it was, but you know, to be able to have somebody be like all right we may not have drafted you but we still want you know what i'm saying you to come work and do summer league with us mm-hmm. so i was like all right cool so i had a dallas mavericks opportunity and a uh, miami heat opportunity to play summer league at the t- in the two different summer leagues two right? different summer leagues this was one was in orlando another one was in vegas mm-hmm. after the uh, me not getting drafted the next day I probably went the hardest, <laughs> the hardest I've ever gone in a workout. Like I was, I was pissed, bro. Like it was crazy. Like mm-hmm. you can even ask my trainer. He was like, yeah, I've never seen you go that hard before. I was like, yeah, no, nah, it was, I was on another, like my mentality was just on something else. So survival mode. Yeah. Facts. hundred percent. I was like, I got to get there. But, uh, so we, we ended up doing summer league in uh, Orlando with the Miami heat. Mm-hmm. So I did that, but when I tell you this summer league, bro, I probably played the worst <laughs> you could play. Like if you saw my summer league, you'd be like, "Oh, no way in hell he's getting to the NBA. No way." Bad how? Oh, it was. I mean, what did I do right? <laughs> Nothing, bro. It was terrible, man. Couldn't score, couldn't rebound, couldn't block a shot. I was like, man, why am I even out here, bro? Wow. But I was hustling. You know what I'm saying? I was, I was trying. I was doing all. I'm diving on the floor. I'm just, you know, what I'm saying, gotta make it look good. I was like, I'm playing like shit, but I'm gonna make it look good. Right. So, but so from there, and then so that Miami Heat one was just atrocious. Came to Vegas with Dallas. I'm like, all right, it's a fresh start, new new chance to start, start playing can't hit a shot i'm like man this is going crazy so then i uh rick carlisle so that's who called me after the uh, after the draft rick carlisle so he ends up uh calling me up to his room when we're in vegas during the summer he was like y'all he's like i need to talk to you so i'm like shit he about to send me home man (laughs) and i was like man i'm over here ready to pack i was like man it's over Mm -hmm. so i get up to his offense and he was like man what's, what's going on with you like what's what's going on he was like i know you're a better player than what you're showing. He was like, it just, he was like, it seems like there's a lot going on. And at that time, there was a a whole like video crew like following me around, even pre-draft, like from the, the pre-draft to the, the draft night, all around summer league. So they was in uh, Orlando with me and then they ended up being in Vegas and they were just kind of just following the story. They ended up doing a piece or something, but. This was like a news outlet? I, I'm beyond. I, I really don't remember what it. Yeah, but it, what Somebody it was. Somebody approached you and said they want to follow you with the camera. Yeah, crew. exactly. So mm-hmm. I've never had that before. So it was like a lot of pressure. You know what I'm saying? But and he was like, yeah. He's like, I feel like there's like a lot of pressure, like with all the you know cameras following you around and all this, this and that. And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. You're probably right. Like I've never really had that before. He was like, all right, yeah. Don't worry about it. He was like, yeah. Well, I'll handle that for you. So he basically shut that down. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 
So the next game, like I just felt more loose, you know what I'm saying? Start hitting shots. I was like, probably had like one of my better games of summer league, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, just for him to have that conversation with me, like I always like respect him for that. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like one, like that's cool as hell. Like you didn't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? Have that conversation with me at that point. Like you could have just cut me and sent me home. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So for him to have that, that conversation, like with a young, you know what I'm saying? A young kid. That was definitely a. Uh, it definitely meant a lot. Helped me out a lot and helped me relax more. Not he, saying I killed the summer league, but you know, it just it helped me relax a little bit more. So you think he was right that the camera crew maybe was having an effect? Yeah, on you? definitely. Because I mean, that's a that's a lot. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like I've, you know, what I'm saying these kids nowadays they they used to it. You right. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I've, like I said, I didn't play basketball when I was younger, so I'm not used to all that. And I'm like, man, just like when I'm literally I'm sitting on the bus, and there's a dude on the other side with the camera just like this and I'm like shit bro like I'm mm -hmm. just trying to go to the game man like this is crazy right but you know what I mean you still got to produce you sure. know what I'm saying I just wasn't ready for it at right. that time it, that is interesting to hear because you and I are about the same age and we kind of through our lifetime like saw this evolution of like where media was and now where it is yeah. and to your point like these you know these young guys now especially like you look at guys that are in high school now they've grown up with having cameras in their face basically the their time. whole lives yeah. so they're probably used to it um, but I do wonder about that with athletes. So many athletes like having followed documentaries with them, like if that does affect them psychologically. I mean, I mean, once you're like used to it, you know what I'm saying? You don't really notice it anymore. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? It was just at that at that point in time in my career mm -hmm. and in my life, if I could go back, I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I needed to focus on being better and getting better. You know what I'm saying? And the, and the cameras weren't helping me. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So... I mean, if I could go back, I would get rid of that aspect. I'm not saying it would help crazy, but I know it would it would definitely help a little bit. I mean, the results were there, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And then so after the summer league, you had this thing with the Warriors. Walk me through what happened with, you know, all the back and forth there. Yeah, so after we played uh last game of summer league, my agent talked to me. He was like, yeah, so uh, Miami, Dallas, they're they not going to offer you anything. We got uh, Golden State uh, for – X amount of dollars, I don't remember, for training camp. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sure, like that's a lot of money. I was like, for sure, let's go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's get it. Yeah. So we uh we ended up doing that. So it was me, Seth. Seth Curry? Yeah, Seth Curry. And uh, I'm, I keep forgetting the Joe. Joe Alexander. Boom. There he is. That's Joe. <laughs> so all three of us were playing for that last roster spot. We ended up making it through the whole training camp, the whole preseason. And at the end of preseason, uh, you know, GM brought us in uh, one by one into his office and was just like, you know, this, we appreciate everything you've done. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we we wish you could, but we, we need to keep this roster spot open. And I'm like, all right, for sure. So we all had the the deal where if you get cut from the team, you play for their, their D-League team, mm -hmm. which is the Santa Cruz Warriors. So we mm -hmm. all went down to Santa Cruz, started doing their training camp, getting ready. And going into the first preseason game, I got a call that was like, oh, Golden State wants to call you up, but you're going to play this game. So I'm like, oh, shoot, cool. Like, like I was quick. <laughs> so I played the game and then went uh, after the game. I went uh, to Golden State because I think uh, somebody had got injured or something like that. So I went up and was hooping with them. And then uh, after that, I had uh, they sent me back down. So I'm like, man, all right. And I, I think I believe I got one more call up from them. I'm not sure. I don't really remember. Mm -hmm. But either way. What, what Either you, they called me up and cut me again, and I was like, dang, like, this is crazy. And then, like, what kind of kind of irked me a little bit was, like, they cut me and then took another player from my team in the same position and called him up. And I'm like, and, but he was playing. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I got called up, he never put me in the game. And I was like, yo, this is – but he would, like, always talk to me, like, oh, yeah, man, love, love your work after, like, you know what I'm saying, like – you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you're ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, basically, like, gassing me up. And I'm like, man, like, I'm sitting here. Like, you never, like, never put me in the game. But then as soon as he got called, I'm like, he got called up. They put him in the game. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, this is, you know what I'm saying? I'm happy for him. But I'm like, yo, that's crazy. Like, I didn't even get an opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I was like, all right, man, that's cool. So I kept hooping, you know what I'm saying, in uh, D-League. Um, and then we came. Then we had the D-League Showcase. Mm -hmm. So we went to the D-League Showcase. Was, uh, I think I was hooping all right in the D-League Showcase. And then after that, uh, somebody came up to me. It was like, oh, uh, he worked for Philadelphia. He gave me his business card. I was like, yo, get that to your agent. We want to talk to him about trying to get you to Philly. And I'm like, oh, shoot, all right. 
call him, hey, oh, yeah, yo, Mike, man, hey, we got, uh, I got this car, you need the number? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, yeah, so we did all that, and then I ended up getting a 10-day contract with, uh, with Philly, mm-hmm. and then that turned into two 10 days. Then after that, I ended up getting, when I turned that down, I ended up getting uh, two 10 days from Orlando, mm-hmm. and then turned that into a, to a little contract that landed, ended up, ended for the rest of that season, and then two years after that, so. So a pretty wild rookie season then. Oh, yeah, man, play for what? Three teams in one year, rookie season. NBA, G League, back to the NBA. Boy, that's four teams then, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And then, yeah, a couple 10 days, a few 10 days. I'm curious, what were the highs and lows like during that? Because on the one hand, you're like, I'm here. I'm an undrafted guy. I'm making it. On the other hand, there's so much uncertainty there. Yeah, definitely. Do you have I mean, any like moments that you could share with the audience of like what that emotionally is like for a player going through that as a rookie? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, sitting in my hotel room, I remember I had uh, got my first check from G League, which is probably about, or the D League, which is like, I think it was like $250, bro. Wow. And I was like, I was pissed. I was like, yo, this is crazy. I was like, I'm not finna be out here busting my ass and this, I'm getting 250. Mm-hmm. I was like, nah, this ain't happening. So I called my agent. And at that time I'm getting like Facebook messages, DMs from like overseas people, like agents that represent people overseas. Like, yo, we can get you, we can get you paid overseas. if right. da, 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 da. So I hit my agent, I'm like, look, bro, I ain't gonna lie to you. Like this, this ain't working out. Like I need, I need money. Mm-hmm. Like I came, you know what I'm saying? I came out of college to make money mm-hmm. and I'm not making money. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, I was like, would it look like I can go to China and make some money? And he was like, nah, you just need to be patient. Just be patient. Like they know, they know. He was like, cause I was on the uh, D league top list, top athletes over there. I was like top five. So he was like, they know you're out here. He was like, just be patient. Keep doing your thing. He was like, it it happened, and I'm I'm pissed, bro. Like I'm telling you, like I was I was at a low, bro. I was like, man, I don't know if I was like I don't even know if I want to hoop anymore. I was like, you got me over here like doing this. I was like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But you know, just stuck with it, had to grind it out, and it ended up working out. So. Mm-hmm. With all the stuff. That's being said, I think there was a story that came out today about how the NBA is doing even more for players and their mental health. Mm-hmm. Everything you've talked about from the draft process all the way through, you know, trying to sign your first guarantee contract, that's got a weigh on you so much above the shoulders. Yeah. And that's something that I think, you know, at every level of sports, you're, you're always being compared to other people, right? You're always having to prove yourself. It's always so funny to me when like, you know, guys are mad that they get all left off the Team USA roster. Mm-hmm. Or like there was a whole thing about like, you can't televise the draft or the, I'm sorry, you can't televise the all-star game draft because guys will get mad they're the last pick. And it's like, these are the top 25 guys in the world. Yeah. And even those guys are yeah. worried about getting left off. Exactly. Do you feel like that's something that for well, athletes in general, but for basketball players specifically, it's a constant battle to to make sure that your mind state is right, so that you can not only carry on as a player, but also just like enjoy your life as a person, yeah, it's your regular day life. So I mean, yeah, that's definitely a definitely something that I feel like all of us have to have to work on. You know, what I mean, we're all competitors, so we all wanna we all wanna win, we all wanna do you know what I'm saying do great things. But it's it's definitely uh definitely takes a toll. But you know, what I mean, you just gotta kind of just I mean I want to say roll with the punches but mm-hmm. you just got to figure out a way to to kind of like funnel it you know what I'm saying to where it's not just all hitting you at once but you know what I'm saying a little bit at a time and try and figure a little each situation out one by one you know what I'm saying instead of like letting it all come down at you on come down on you at once you know what I'm saying and I feel like that's that's something that I, I kind of had to learn how to do you know what I'm saying at a young age so just funneling funneling stuff in and just figuring it out one by one mm-hmm so what was what you spent two seasons in Orlando? Technically, the end of the third. I mean, I guess what I mean if we call it the first year a season. So mm-hmm. we'll say three three seasons total. Right. Yeah, and so, so what was that experience like playing and living in Orlando? Orlando, uh, the city. It was. I had a great time. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I called Orlando definitely my second home. Like I made a lot of friends out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was fun. I mean. Once again, I was on the team. I wasn't really playing, but so I mean, I had a lot of a lot of extra time on my hands. So we was just, I mean, I made made a lot of friends out there. It was chilling, so it was it was cool. It was fun. I mean, I learned a lot. You know what I'm saying? And at at that point, I, I kind of figured out uh, how the NBA works. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like a fraternity. You know what I'm saying? Like once you're in, like you can be good. You know what I'm saying? You could be you could set yourself up. Mm-hmm. You feel me? But if you, you know what I'm saying, it's a lot of knuckleheads out there. I mean, even my draft class, like, 
a lot of those players aren't in the league anymore. It's a notoriously thin draft class. That was the Anthony Bennett went number one overall draft, right? And I, was, I wasn't going to bring it up, but that must have drove you nuts when you saw some bro. of the guys getting picked in that draft. Man, bro, that was crazy. And you've outlasted it, how many of them? A lot of them. A lot of them, bro. A lot. A, a lot. <laughs> and it's not all just ability, to your point, right? It, it's yeah. like the other stuff. Yeah, it's the little stuff, man. Once you, I mean, once you figure out the game, bro, it's, I mean, you could you could stay in this league. I mean, you see Vince Carter, he's about to come in for his 22nd year. You know what I'm saying? Not crazy. saying that he's not talented, but, you know, you got to you have to figure it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was definitely uh, relationships. Mm-hmm. Relationships are big in this league. So, once you make, because you really never know, and I, I try and tell the, the young guys, you don't know where this video guy is going to be by the time you need your next contract. Right. You know what I'm saying? You don't yeah. know. So why would you, why be rude and disrespectful and mean to this guy when he could be a head coach and you could be needing a job? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And well, like first it, of all, you should do it just to be a good person. True. Have a good definitely, karma. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Make a good mark on the world. But definitely. also connections. Eric Spolster Ex- started as a video guy. Frank Vogel started as a video guy. Exactly. It could definitely help exactly. to make those connections early. And I mean, even, even with the connect, I mean, even not even that, like, Let's say, let's think about it. So this is what happened to me. So I end up getting, uh, being cool with uh, James Borrego, who's now the head coach of uh, Charlotte Hornets. You know what I'm saying? So him, after he left Orlando, so actually he was, so we were coached by Jock Vaughn. Mm-hmm. We uh, played that season. Jock Vaughn ended up getting fired halfway through the season. Borrego took over. Mm-hmm. So once Borrego took over, I start playing. He was he was actually starting me and Vucevic at the same time, so we ended up like hmm. we ended up uh, just kind of building a relationship. I mean, it wasn't like you no know, favoritism. It was he that's how he wanted. He wanted defense and this and that. And I was the defensive guy, right? So you know, we I mean, and then we kind of just built a relationship off of that. And then after that season, he was uh, he applied for the head coach of Orlando. He didn't get it. He ended up going to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So him going to San Antonio, and I had one more year with Orlando. Then after that, he. Uh, we were, you know what I'm saying, trying to find a job, mm-hmm. and he kind of put it in, put it in their ear, like, "Oh, there's a there's a big fella that's from Orlando that you know what I'm saying that we could use." You know right. what I'm saying? And I end up coming to San Antonio, getting a job over there, and I'm like, "Man, like, you know what I'm saying?" It's, she vouched for you. Yeah, exactly. So then from there, even after I finished, uh, so when I finished my season with uh, San Antonio, um, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Was you know what I'm saying? Land was looking for me. This was when uh, Bud Budenholzer was there. Mm-hmm. So Bud had talked to uh, JB and was like, "Yo, I'm looking for a, a big who can shoot." And he was like, "I got one." <laughs> he was like, "We got Dwayne." You know what I'm right, saying? Yeah. Like he he can shoot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So him like vouching. Then I got got the job in Atlanta. And then I ended up meeting with uh with Bud and he was like and he was like, "Yo, I want you to." He was like, "I want you to shoot threes. And I had I had been working on threes every summer from you know what I'm it's saying. It's interesting because I was looking back at that and yeah, you you shot a lot of threes in Atlanta in the two seasons you just spent there. Yeah. You hadn't attempted a three maybe pretty one. much in your career yeah. since then. Yeah. And so this is something you had the ability to do. You could step out, you know, mid range, all that stuff. But you felt like you were like a, a capable three point shooter and just oh yeah, no, I was, just didn't use you that way. Nah, I mean I was ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, why I, do you think that is? Everybody wants a big who can shoot. Why do you, why do you think they didn't stick you in the corner once in a while and have you take one or two threes a week? Uh, why was that? That's not there. That's not the way they play, man. So gotcha. It was they like the mid range. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, Demar Lamar. I mean, they had. I mean, Powell was shooting threes when right. I was there. Yeah, Powell was letting them go, but that wasn't my role. Right. You know what I'm gotcha. saying? You know, Pop's kind of a, a stickler on like stick to your road. It's what you do, and don't do anything else. And, and did you was, ever say to him like, "Hey, man, I just hit five in a row in practice. Like, let me <laughs> let me open it up a little bit." Man, was, you talk about not playing the next game. <laughs> Go ahead and say that. <laughs> nah, but uh, he was just. I mean, I remember one game. I go ahead and say this. I remember one game. I had a had a good game. Like mm-hmm. I'm pick and roll. You know what I'm saying? Getting my little floaters around the rim. I'm making all my shots. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? The very next game. Same plays is happening, shooting the same shots. They just ain't falling. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So this is like before halftime. So we come into halftime. And when I tell you it was just clips of me <laughs> missing shots like at halftime, this isn't your game. You don't do that. I'm like, man, like, all right, for sure. Like, I'm like, that's cool. I was like, all right, for sure. Appreciate it. Hmm. Started the second half. Me and TP in the pick and roll. Drop it off to me. I shoot it again. Boom, make it. TP come up to me. He was like, he was like, oh man. He was like, he was like, I like that. He was like, I like how you know what I'm saying. Pop said, 
all this, but you still playing. He was like, yeah, I'll message you for that. Mm. And I'm like, cool. And then once, once TP said that, I was like, I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it wasn't like I was taken away from the team. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It was just the right basketball play. You know what I'm saying? So, right. I mean, it ended up, I mean, Pop didn't really have a problem. I feel like he was just trying to make an example. You know what I'm saying? Which he does a lot. Like, it's, that's kind of what he, how he's bases his stuff off of. So, which right. is, that's his, that's, that's Pop's way. I always think about Popovich and Belichick as two guys who they're like, have this like military kind of background and they're very strict in terms of discipline and they get on their players. Definitely. And not all of those guys would get a pass the way they do, but because my opinion is they get a pass because it works, mm-hmm. because they win. Do you feel like that's fair? That if, if that style of coaching didn't produce results at players and maybe the rest of the league wouldn't view it as like this admirable thing of like, oh, Pop is so disciplined and so hard on his guys. And the difference really there is results. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I mean, you see it. <laughs> Kawhi, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he, he was developed in the, po- in the Popovich system, you mm-hmm. know, and you know Tim Duncan, he's just a great player. Right. But you had a a crazy roster and he's I mean it, it works like I said it works for him you know what I'm saying DeJounte Murray would think about that too mm-hmm. came in his first year spent a lot of time in the in the G League mm-hmm. and then end up uh last well not last season but the season before mm-hmm. it was his first team all defense yeah you know what I'm saying second team I mean second second year so that's mm-hmm. that goes to just show the definitely the the development that the Spurs you know what I'm saying Spurs do why do you think that is that they're so good at developing those guys uh, I mean, at the time when I was there, I feel like everything was kind of everybody worked together, you know, from top to bottom. You know what I'm saying? So I mean that that makes it easy. Like you know, what I'm saying you go down to the to the G League, everybody knows what you're doing there. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're down there, we want him to do this. They got a uh, Chip England who gets your shooting right. You know what I'm saying? They got Legendary a lot of yeah, coach. exactly. So they got a lot of little little different uh different things that different coaches set up to help you succeed you just got to buy in but so everybody's on the same page yeah definitely everybody's on the same gotcha page. and a lot gets said about um like that popovich like the culture that he looks to build mm-hmm. and um brett brown's kind of imitated a little bit with everything that's going on in philadelphia in terms of being a worldly team and understanding your teammates and where they came from is that something that you experienced firsthand yeah definitely i mean he's definitely uh i feel like that was probably one of the things that i really noticed from him he's definitely a uh, pop's definitely in tune to world events mm. you know what i'm saying like there were days where we we'd come into practice and we start with you know him informing us about something that's going on in the world he was like well this is this is going on in the world today but you know what i'm saying we get to hoop today but we need to know that this is being this is affecting you know what i'm saying our world that we live in you know what i'm saying like it's not all just basketball it's other things going on as well and i feel like that aspect definitely like opened up like another like i was like like that's that's real like you know what i'm saying we get to play basketball for a living that's that's cool but there's a lot of other things going on in this world that may be good and may may be bad you know what i'm saying but it's it's always something else mm-hmm. that's that's probably pretty rare i would imagine yeah, for yeah. a basketball po- coach to be giving his players that kind of world perspective especially especially coaching his position you know what i'm saying like he's you know top one of the top coaches ever mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so for him to sit down and be like well this 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 is and there was also a time where we went to uh we did like a, a event but it was like no no cameras and stuff coming like this is just this is what we do you know what i'm saying we went out to uh, like basically an uh, area with a whole bunch of kids like it was i forget what it was but we were out there just you know what i'm saying just with the kids helping out just doing different things and it was like no no cameras here we just it was chilling it's just a authentic thing it didn't feel like it was like forced set up you know what i'm saying like got all the cameras watching i was like yeah like this is that's cool like i like stuff like that you know what i'm saying you ain't gotta have the cameras always around to show that you're doing something but you but it's good to do stuff for other people right i think that's a real measure of someone's character is what they do when nobody else is paying exactly. attention exactly that's cool that you got to play for a coach who kind of leans in on that stuff yeah yeah definitely i mean he's like off the court he's a, he's a great great human being you know what I'm saying? Just point blank period. He's a, he's a great, great person. You know what I'm saying? Like just pick his brain, talk to him. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Do you have any fun off the court pop stories about a side of him that maybe a lot of people don't get to see? Man, shoot, you walk into his office and you think you walked into a wine cellar. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that was probably the craziest things. I had to, uh, I went into his office one day looking for him to talk to him. I pull up, I'm like, man, we in, we in Napa right now. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? 
Nah, he was like, oh, nah, you know, he's just big on wine or whatever. He ended mm-hmm. up giving me a bottle of wine. I was like, man, I appreciate you. That's cool. Uh, so that was, that was pretty dope. That's really cool. And it seems like he, getting back to the stories you were telling earlier, he encourages you guys to be more than athletes, right? Definitely, definitely. He's definitely a, a big advocate on being more than an athlete. And so when you see that phrase, when you hear that phrase, you know, it's, it's hanging up all around us. Um, it's interesting. Every athlete that comes in here, I think that means something different to them. Mm-hmm. What would you say that phrase means to you to be more than an athlete? Uh, just, just do more. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, like you play, I play basketball for a living. That's my job. Mm-hmm. But like, I, like I said, I have my, my camp, my basketball camp that I do every year. Yeah. Talk about that. I'm curious. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's me being more than an athlete. That's it, me. That's giving, where you grew up in Lancaster. Exactly. That's me giving back to my community. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Giving the giving the kids something to do. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like when I was younger, I didn't didn't have basketball camps. Didn't have like an NBA guy coming around like setting up camps for for kids, like a free camp for kids to go to. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I mean, just to be able to do that, like that's just a little thing. You know what I'm saying? But it it goes a long way. I mean, I got a. Uh, a tweet the other day I forget what the, what the kid name is but it showed like a picture like it was him at my camp and then him shooting a, uh, a jump shot versus UNC you know what I'm saying like so I'm like yo that's dope like he made you know what I'm saying from Lancaster coming to the basketball not saying that like made him go to college or whatever but like for him to be able to for him to come to my camp and then now be playing in college you know against like a top division one school like that's that's pretty dope to see you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's just little stuff like you get little joys from just little stuff like that. There's a there's another kid also. He comes to my camp every year and we take a picture. And then him and his uh him and his mom they bring a a picture of the last year of me and him to the camp like with a card. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like little stuff like that. It's just pretty dope. That's really cool. Yeah. How long have you been doing the camp for? Uh, I think this would be my fifth year. I want to say. Mm-hmm. So. And it's you in August every year. Uh, August, yeah. That's yeah, cool. around my birthday. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, dope. And so just circling back to when you were talking about signing with Orlando and getting that first fully guaranteed multi-year contract, how did your life change at that time? Was there a sense of relief? Were you able to really kind of settle in at all? Yeah, it definitely was relief. It was just me knowing, I mean, I had been moving around like Santa Cruz, Oakland, Santa Cruz, Philly, Detroit, Orlando. So to be able to call a place home for the mm-hmm. next few years like that was that had been something I had been looking forward to you know what I'm saying and for me to be able to you know I got a got a place put all my stuff in it I was like that was I was happy about that mm-hmm. so that was cool you signed this great contract with the with the Sacramento Kings congratulations on that appreciate it and just that evolution of being a guy who's like really at the edge of like that you know it's for only 450 roster spots right and you're like right there to being a guy who now teams are saying actually we really want to invest in this guy here's a multi-year contract for a guy who we really want to build around what's that journey been like for you how has your life changed off the court have your how have your circumstances changed now that you're able to provide for yourself and your family through the game of basketball I mean, it was. I mean, definitely appreciate the Kings for the uh, for the contract and the opportunity. But I mean, it definitely uh, it definitely changed a lot. I mean, now I have I have a son. He's eight months old. Mm-hmm. So for all of that to kind of come together at the same time, like I'm really I'm really uh, really excited about that. You know, I mean, me and my fiance are about to get married soon. So awesome. I mean, it's just everything's kind of just like summer 19 is coming together for me. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and it's 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 definitely definitely looking good. So I mean, I definitely appreciate that. You know, appreciate the the sack taking a you know what I'm saying taking a chance on on your boy for for the next couple of years. And <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to it. So it's 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 gonna be fun, man. I'm definitely definitely having fun. That's great. That's really great. And so it seems like the Dwayne Dedman story is just all of these moments where you overcame the odds, right? And yeah. now that you are, you have this role with Sacramento, what is that challenge for you? In what ways do you now feel like you still need to overcome? Uh, just now I gotta, now I gotta prove it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, they paid me, they gave me the, the, the money. So now I gotta, gotta show them what they paid for. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's kind of been a, kind of been my, my, I don't know, mantra, mm-hmm. I guess, the, this summer, just I got to, now I got to show them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely appreciate it, but now it's it's not, it's no time to take no days off. Like, it's, I got to get to it and I got to, I got to show them what, show them, I guess, essentially what they bought. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So it's, it's, it's cool. It's, 
looking forward to it. It's so interesting. Uh, Maverick Carter, who actually is standing behind you right now, the CEO of Uninterrupted, uh, was on the Paul Rivera podcast recently. And he was talking about how anytime you get an opportunity in life, you can think about it one of two ways. You can think I've made it or I'm just getting started. And it seems like you are really embracing that I'm just getting started. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely, definitely I'm just getting started. Like it's... (laughs) It's definitely just the beginning, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, like I said, I just started shooting threes two years ago, right? In the, in in the actual NBA game, so I definitely feel like the sky is still the limit, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I I feel like I have a lot still to show, and I'm just looking forward to getting an opportunity to do it. Do you have any individual goals for yourself on the court? I mean, I'm sure yeah. you do, but ones that you'd be willing to tell us. No, nah, I definitely like, will. I mean, I'll I'll tell everybody this. Mm-hmm. So, and this three-year contract that I have, I, I'm i going to make the three-point competition. Like, that's that's my goal. I like, like that. it's, that's something that I feel like I I can accomplish and I, I I can do it. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to focus on. That's cool. You know, of course, winning and everything too, yeah. but this is just, this is my goal. You know what I'm saying? This is outside of the team, outside of everything. This is just something that I want to do. To become I, one of the great three-point shooting players in the league, not just three-point shooting bigs in the league. Exactly, definitely. I mean, I definitely uh, told myself when I was uh, when I first got into the league, I'll never go to an All-Star game unless I'm in it. Hmm. So I've never been to an All-Star game. So that's this is one way I could go. So yeah. got to kind of write my own ticket. You mentioned earlier that you always feel like you're behind. You always feel like you're catching up. You always feel like you can be doing more, improving more. Do you feel like you have that potential to be an all-star player, all-defense caliber player? Uh, you know, I definitely feel like my my defense is definitely uh, definitely top top in the league. I just gotta got stop fouling so much. That's, <laughs> that's that's probably one of the one thing that's holding me back. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, other than that, no, I definitely uh, I definitely hang my hat on my defense first before anything else. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because I was a defensive player before and all these threes start falling. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. That's definitely something that I, I know Sack also brought me in for, to, mm-hmm. the defensive end, protect the rim, and, and you know, guard the big. So mm-hmm. that's definitely something that I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to getting better at and uh, expanding it and, you know, trying to, like I said, trying to get on that uh, all-defensive team. Man. That's great. Yeah. And so we touched on your on-the-court goals. Again, now that, you know, your circumstances have changed, you've entered the stratosphere of, your, you know, you're a second, third contract NBA veteran, young veteran. What, what are your now off-the-court goals? You mentioned that you're starting a young family. Are there any th- other things you'd like to accomplish now that you really kind of have a chance to settle into like a three-year contract and, and that you've earned your spot in the NBA? Like I said, I, I'm just looking forward to marrying my fiance, mm-hmm. raising our son, and, you know, having some more kids. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, just, just starting our family life. You know what I'm saying? Being able to call somewhere home for the next, you know what I'm saying, next few years, let my son grow, you know what I'm saying, just to, to watch his transformation. And it's just, I'm just looking forward to, I'm a family man now, so, you know, just just enjoying this process, man. That's great. Uh, and so it's it's a story with a happy ending, but the story's also not over. The story There's a lot of chapters not, to be written. not over at all. Do not close the book, bro. <laughs> Do not close the book. It ain't over. That's great. Dwayne, thanks so much for joining us, man. Before we let you get out of here, remind everybody, who runs this station? We run this station. WRTS is produced by John Fontanelli. Our editor is Chris Wotherspoon. Our production assistant is Logan Casterdale. Additional production support by Matt Perret, Lauren Jones, Cody Moore, and Uninterrupted's athlete relations team. Our executive producer is TD St. Matthew Daniel. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is WRTS. We run this station. WRTS.